at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. This feature is brought to you by the Solidarity Fund. Unity in action. The Solidarity Fund is committed to the eradication of gender-based violence and as part of its commitment, we continue ongoing conversations every Monday afternoon discussing topics that will challenge all of us to find solutions towards ending gender-based violence. The hashtag for this conversation is Solidarity for GBV. In November... 2020, you may remember this, the Solidarity Fund put a call out for applicants, applications from potential beneficiary organizations in the gender-based violence sector who would benefit from a once-off grant from the fund. The fund will soon be announcing the 331 organizations that have been selected for funding. Dr. Nabisa Shai, specialist scientist at South African Medical Research Council joins us now on the line. Dr. Shai is the chair of that committee that was sitting in in the panel looking at those organizations um, to obviously adjudicate to whether they qualify or not. Dr. Shai, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dr. Shai. Can you hear us, Dr. Shai? I can hear you well. Okay, we can now hear you. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Would you just take us through um, what it was like being the chair of the selection and evaluation panel in this process? And I can tell you from where I'm sitting, we've been speaking to a lot of organizations that, for instance, had made applications and they were all anxious. It, It couldn't have been an easy process. It really wasn't an easy process, but it was humbling Mm -hmm. and it was quite an honor to participate in helping to provide funding to to community-based organizations that have really suffered due to the COVID epidemic in terms of lack of funding or loss of funding opportunities. And, 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 and when you were looking, because the need is so great, and that's, I think, what makes it so difficult, what, what then were you looking to find in these uh, community organizations? Well, we're looking at uh, organizations that have aligned themselves with the National Strategic Plan on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide in terms of the activities that they are offering. We're also looking at organizations that are run well and that are also uh, providing services that look comprehensively at prevention, at response and access to justice. Um, at the same time, we also needed to ensure that the organizations had had some previous experience in providing GBV uh, services and programs. And so we're looking at people who know what they've been doing, I mean, what they are doing, and they had a plan and a coherent plan of what they wanted to do next. Mm. And so we were allocating funds based on those, but we're also looking for a few organizations uh, which applied under the catalytic or systemic call, as we called it. Mm-hmm. We're looking at uh, ensuring that the programs that we're delivering, we're going to um, create uh, or have opportunity to, to have more positive impact um, on a kind of a sustainable level compared to the other organizations whom we're trying to support to provide the services that we're currently doing, Mm. um, even if they wanted to do maybe capacity building Mm. or or other activities. But uh, that's the kind of range we're looking at. You you speak about sustainability. One of the things that that I'm slightly concerned about, because the need is so great, and we, we have these emergency organizations almost, I'm going to call them that, I may be using the wrong terminology there but how much goes into prevention of this gender-based violence are you seeing that there are enough organizations 
there so that we don't get to that crisis point that we, we, we're finding ourselves in now? Sadly, Pinello, we're not seeing a lot of prevention programming. Um, and the challenge there is that a lot of organizations are focusing on awareness raising, which we know on its own uh, community, commu- communication programming isn't enough to ensure systemic change. Mm. Um, there is awareness that is raised, but that does not translate into social behavioral change. And so we've seen that, uh, for example, early childhood programming or family violence prevention programming was quite underrepresented in these interventions, which means that we do not have a large pool of organizations that are focusing on social norms and gender transformative programs, particularly those that are reaching uh, girls and boys. Mm. And those are quite few and far between. So that's interesting because um, what we've been hearing, and obviously this has been something that the the fund itself has been giving us access to these organizations, but some are are targeting um, men and young boys. But you're raising the point that we're not seeing a lot of also including young women as well in these programs. I mean, do we know why that is the case? Well, there are many organizations that are looking at um, at working with women, either it's in prevention or in service provision. Mm. But the challenge in that is that um, when we are not looking at advancing the position of women and girls, mm. we are actually neglecting an area where we have people whose power has constantly been undermined in our society, who are affected by the negative and uh, oppressive gender norms, um, and so when we are doing work, we need to be ensuring there's a balance between programs that are focusing on women and girls, mm. as well as the LGBTI and the women with disability groups. And so we should not be only looking at what is the, what seems to be the niche, which is constantly what we're hearing out there. So we need to be ensuring that there is a balance. But when it comes to prevention programs, mm. Mm. what is important is ensuring that what we are delivering to communities has substance. Mm. And not only just substance, but we have programs that are looking at preventing, trying to prevent violence before it happens, because we know that we're living in a wounded society. We are a wounded society. But we need to be making sure that we prevent the violence from carrying on forward. And we need to be ensuring that communities are able to, to, to critically reflect on the norms that they uphold, especially the oppressive norms towards women and girls. And we need to we need to be making sure that the programs that they are delivering are addressable, addressing multiple risk factors mm. so that we're not only looking at communication, but we're also looking at other areas, including women's economic empowerment, mm. as well as adding services that are addressing the psychosocial needs of people before. I mean, people who have been uh, exposed to violence as well. I'll tell you where I'm very concerned. Even before COVID, um, NGOs were struggling. The economy, when it struggles, so will the funding that goes into spaces like this. This is a once-off uh, a fund. Do you find that these organizations have got sustainable models, particularly for funding? I'm worried that we don't have that, you know, uh, uh, sort of in a way um, bedded down because we are so busy trying to deal with the crisis. Are these organizations equipped financially to to enable themselves to be sustainable even beyond the funding that they may get from you? Well, you are right to be concerned um, because we're not dealing with the same set of organizations. We have much smaller organizations but who are much more in touch with communities Mm. in the grassroots which need a lot of support and capacity strengthening around 
being able to source funding and therefore we're talking about a proposal writing, a good record keeping in terms of the finances, but also ensuring that they have a coherent and strong theory of change that that enables them to be able to identify what the problem is and how they seek to, to achieve it in a way that is going to have positive impact in our society. And so that is quite a serious concern. And uh, we found that there are some organizations that provide only one service, and we cannot fault them on that. And so as the uh, Selection and Devaluation Committee, we're quite um, sensitive about not penalizing people whose niche is a particular area, for example, access to justice. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't penalize them, but we need to be able to see that what they are doing is well articulated and well connected so that we can pick up as we're adjudicating these, uh, these uh, proposals to know that what it is to trust at least that what they're saying they're going to do, whether they have a track record of doing it before and whether they're going to be able to move forward uh, to implement. And just to add to that, particularly for those who, who didn't succeed in this process, you know, is there anything you could maybe assist them with in terms of what you can tell them now that, that it will assist them going forward, even if it's not from the Solidarity Fund, but just seeking funding going forward? I think many organizations need to add uh, more substantive uh, programming to their portfolio. Mm. And awareness raising on its own really does not equate to social behavior change. Um, And many organizations really had a challenge uh, and they were screened out from the get-go because they did not provide the financial uh, uh, and other requirements that uh, would have got them at least inside the door Mm. for consideration because of poor record keeping Mm. or even inability sometimes to actually explain why a particular record is absent when they had the opportunity to to provide that information. But I do want to say that though a lot of organizations applied, we had 600 applicants, over 600 applicants that went through the screening process and we had duplicate applications because of the multiple ways in which people submitted uh, Mm. their applications. Mm. And so the number, we are not sure as yet the number of organizations that did not make it through but we do know that um, when they were unable to meet the basic requirements for application, um, those then would not have been considered and would not have been in the pool that the Selection and Evaluation Committee got to see. I see. Gosh, thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, really, uh, I mean, it's 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 twofold, right? One is encouraged by the fact that, yes, there are beneficiaries, and yet there's also, you know, that big gap where we still need to sort out some of the, the problems that some of these organizations have. Thank you so much for talking to us, Dr. Nwabisa Shai, Specialist Scientist at the South African Medical Research Council. She was the chair of that panel that was assessing the organizations that were seeking funding um, from the Solidarity Fund. They have selected 30 331 organizations and we'll obviously get more of these kind of information from the Solidarity Fund as time goes on. So um, if you are a victim of GBV or you know someone who needs help, please contact the National GBV Command Center that operates 24-7 and the number there to dial is 0800-428-428 and if you're unable to speak, send a please call me by dialing star 120 star seven. Eight six seven hash. I'll say that number again. It's just basically sending a please call me by dialing star one twenty star seven eight six seven hash, or you can SMS help to three one five three one.